Hi, my name's Carly Reed from CX Today, bringing you all the latest customer experience news from the industry. Now, today we're joined by John from Evolve. Welcome, John. Hello, Carly. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Great to have you with us today. Now, we are going to be getting to know John a little bit better over the course of this exclusive interview. But John, for the sake of introductions, could you perhaps tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Absolutely. I'm uh, the VP of marketing at a company called Evolve. We're based out of the Bay Area and we are an artificial intelligence company that is focusing on customer experience. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, John. And we're going to be talking to John about digital transformation and AI in CX. So with that in mind, let's get down to our questions. First question for you today then, John. Uh, can you define for me the challenges faced uh, by companies with their CX in 2021? Absolutely. I mean, 2020 was such a gangbuster year in terms of the impact that it's had over so many industries. And when it comes to customer experience, what we saw was an acceleration of e-commerce by about five to 10 years. Um, that became a necessity for many companies to be able to stay relevant. And what is done for 2021 uh, is I think really reset the landscape. And we're seeing, again, across a lot of industries where the customer experience really starts online or increasingly starts online uh, and then even finishes there. Now we're seeing with markets and countries reopening at different rates that now you're having to incorporate the start that's online and even the end that's online with now more activities that happen maybe in person or in-store pickup and things like that. But the journey has changed uh, quite dramatically uh, and the bar has really moved. And I think the expectations that particularly consumers have uh, has changed significantly. I mean, who could have predicted even 12 months ago that um, in interviews like this, we would talk about curbside pickup as sort of like the new standard for uh, a, a, a online to uh, store experience, but it is. Now everybody's really gauging the effectiveness of a company's digital strategy on capabilities like that, like how good is that is that service? And and the gap's pretty big. There's some companies that are done a phenomenal job. Like I said, they've really embraced the fact that it was time to accelerate their their plans, and they put a lot of new capabilities that have been well thought out. And then others are still laggards. And and uh, I can tell you for myself, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I did some some online shopping, and it is it is staggering how uh, the, how big the gap is for some of these companies. And I think it's really going to hurt them because when, when you have so many choices and you can have such a better experience with somebody else, such as you know being able to see that the item that you want is an in inventory, that you can go pick it up that day, uh, it's super streamlined, it's just well orchestrated versus one of the, the, the really large um, clothing companies here in the U.S., uh, I mean, it was deplorable. You know, they, they, they made it sound like it was an inventory. You go through the whole checkout process and then only then to find out that, oh, nope, no, we no longer have that item in stock. And then the item that I did purchase, uh, it took him over over seven days to ship it. Um, and that, that, that just doesn't fly anymore. You know, when, when one of their close competitors, I, I could have picked it up that same day. So it, it's really, really interesting to see how 
the industry has shifted and how much of the innovation is targeted at bringing new experiences for uh, consumers. Absolutely. Thank you, John. And you sort of touched upon this uh, really in that uh, answer to that question. Um, I mean, we can see larger companies accelerating their digital transformation and their online experiences. But but what about sort of mid-sized companies? What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, what's interesting, digital transformation is one of those terms that's been around for a while. And like so many things in tech, it, it means everything and it means nothing um, because it just it's so far reaching. And uh, we did see a lot of companies, I think for the purpose of accelerating their spending, lump all this stuff under digital transformation. And a lot of it has been customer experience focus, uh, definitely very prevalent inside a large or the enterprise clients that we have. But we also saw the same thing in midsize because midsize has had no choice but to adapt as well. Um, and, you know, it's been, it's been, interesting to watch particularly in the last 16 months and coming out of last summer where there was a, a very uh, um, measurable increase of people that shifted back to the big brands the walmarts the the targets because uh, of really two things one is uh, it was their inventory right no, knowing that they had uh, toilet paper which was a big issue here in the us that they had it in <laughs> stock and that you were you, you were going to be able to find it what they had is is not only the inventory but also the, the logistics so that if you order it online they gave you lots of different options to either pick it up or have it delivered and you knew it was going to be reliable it, it may it may take a couple of days uh, but you knew you were going to get it and so it was really interesting to see how much of consumer spending shifted back to those big brands, at least initially. As a result, we saw, unfortunately, a lot of SMBs really suffer. We saw a lot of those companies go out of business. But in terms of midsize, you really saw a lot of them actually thrive because they were already kind of disrupting some of their relevant markets. And many of them were able to really capitalize on that. Uh, we saw a lot of, the, uh, of that with the food delivery services, which was still a very immature business uh, heading into last summer. And then all of a sudden just accelerating gangbusters. And we saw lots of companies that honestly probably wouldn't have made it in a normal year that all of a sudden found themselves highly relevant. Uh, and again, it does go back to the, the way that they've been treating the, um, the, the customer experience. And we saw a lot of that with pure e-commerce as well, where again, uh, when you were sort of done dealing with the big box stores and you wanted for maybe a more specialized item, there's so many of those pure e-commerce companies and they have gotten a lot bolder with their experimentation, right? They're really pushing the boundaries of what is a good digital customer experience, uh, combining different channels, com combining different um, workflows, uh, dealing with different use cases. Uh, it's been really exciting to, to see how that uh, has evolved. The challenge for a lot of these mid-sized companies is they, they just don't have a very deep bench in terms of the size of their teams and the experience of their teams. Uh, and that does create a little bit of a barrier because they want to set the bar very high. They not only want to better compete with the big box um, uh, companies, they also want to uh, surpass them, right? They want, they want to go beyond that. Uh, so it's been interesting to see the various tactics that they're employing to try to 
speed up their ability to execute and gain more understanding and more knowledge. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, John. And could you maybe give us a couple more examples of some of the barriers that companies need to overcome? Absolutely. Uh, it's like anything. It's it's a mindset. And um, the idea of, of working on your customer experience is not new. And there are a lot of tools out there that have been around for a decade. Some, some even go back almost 20 years, believe it or not. Uh, but, you know, they, they use very traditional approaches to testing and trying to figure out which elements of a particular page or a particular mobile application are outperforming each other. And the issue that you have with that is really two things. It's, it's speed and scale. Um, that approach is really predicated on what's called start-stop testing, where you come up with some ideas and you have to be really realistic because you can only test so many things because those tools are fairly limited in their ability to start to look at lots of different ideas and make sense of which ideas change. So, you know, what you end up doing is you have, maybe you have a target landing page for uh, a promotion that you're running and you're only going to be able to change maybe four or five things like the size of the button, the placement of the image, the amount of copy, just kind of small little changes here and there. Because if you go beyond that, you'll have no idea whether it's working, not working, what made the difference. Um, so you find a lot of these companies from a speed point of view, they're having to be very measured in what they try. And it takes a long time. You have to you have to let the tests run for a while, you know, usually a couple months even to get enough traffic and enough enough data points. Um, and and it's, a, it's a very slow learning process. And, and the interesting thing about those more traditional tools is that uh, more often than not, they fail. So, so the, the, the tests that you're running actually fail to deliver uh, the outcome that you're looking for. Uh, and there, there's some cute vendors out there that says, you know, lo losing is the new winning. Well, that, that's just kind of plain silly, right? I mean, you, um, the ratio inside those more traditional approaches is that usually only one out of seven tests uh, delivers uh, a, a positive outcome. So six of those experiments that you ran lost. So you, you didn't gain any market share. You didn't drive any of the metrics that you're looking for. So that's that's really painful. And again, it takes a lot of time. The second part is scale. Um, you, you know, we work with a lot of clients that do two, maybe three kind of types of experiments at any given time. We have a few larger clients that they're doing a couple dozen tests, you know, maybe inside of a quarter. Um, and the reality is you need to be in the thousands or tens of thousands. Uh, so the scale has been a real issue as well. Great stuff. Thank you so much, John. So uh, do you think it's fair to say that a culture shift um, really needs to happen? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, um, in the world of CX, there's this very strange division, which I personally don't understand, between customer acquisition and then customer conversion. And inside a lot of these companies, they're completely different teams. Um, so if you look at some of the some of the big box companies I talked about, or some of the large electronics retailers, and um, you, you know, pick, pick your industry, there'll be two teams inside inside these companies. There's teams that are responsible for customer acquisition. So they're running campaigns and 
paid advertising and and pay-per-click on Google and, and all these things, right? So their job is to bring more eyeballs to their digital properties. And then there's a completely different team that is responsible for the digital properties themselves. And what does that journey look like and, and the optimization? And it's it's fascinating to me how many of those companies will have both those teams ultimately report to the same person, but there's almost a wall between them. And it's, it's um, I think, creating a lot of hurdles because basically a lot the mindset that a lot of these companies are in is um, let me get more traffic, right? The answer is I got to get more traffic, more eyeballs so I can have a better shot at it. And they're not really focusing on the real problem, which is, First of all, it's getting a lot harder to get more eyeballs. It's getting more expensive. It's lower quality, right? So that that in of itself is a big problem that these companies have to deal with. The answer is not, oh, we need to increase our spend on Google ads, right? Because it's a diminishing return right now. It's costing you more per click and it's a lesser quality click. Uh, and then the other thing is when you look at the rest of the funnel, for the most part, even with COVID, the conversion rates aren't getting any better, right? So now I have that person on my site, but over half of your potential business today, per the global statistics, is lost even before they, they make it to a product page, right? So they hit your site, your landing page, or even your home page, but then they never, over half of that traffic, think about that, right? Half of those eyeballs that you've paid quite a bit of money to bring over to your site don't even go anywhere. They, they don't even make it to a product page where they could start the journey of ordering something. And then you have another 30% drop off between the product page and the add to cart. So you've lost half your traffic. Now only half of those people make it to a product page, but now you lose another 30% of those people that never really add anything to the cart. And then even after they add stuff to the cart, the global e-commerce conversion rate right now is only 2.27. Uh, so when you put it in real numbers, that is just a phenomenal amount of lost opportunity. Now, there's a lot of reason why cart abandonment and, and e-commerce conversions don't happen. But the point that I'm making in terms of the culture shift is really starting to bring those two things together. The answer is not to get more visitors. The answer is to get a lot smarter about converting the visitors that you already have. And that's something that... Uh, I think some of the innovators and the companies that are growing very fast have done a much better job at that. But I would say across the industry, it's, it's again, very fascinating to me that it's not a well understood problem. The, the linkages of those two things are not well orchestrated inside quite a few of those companies. Absolutely. Thank you, John. And I suppose, how do you think artificial intelligence can help with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so artificial intelligence is interesting because it's a lot like digital transformation. It's It's been around for a while and it means lots of different things to different people, uh, various uh, uh, degrees of success, depending on how it's been applied. When it comes to this specific challenge, it's like it's like ready-made for this. Like this is this is what it's really good at, uh, because it can deal with a much higher volume of testing. It can get a lot more efficient about um, how it's going to allocate traffic and start to look at different things. What's really really neat about AI is that, um, particularly we're an AI company, right? So so we have uh, a lot of proprietary machine learning algorithms and. One of the really, really cool thing that AI can do is uh, if you let it, uh, it will start on its own 
trying different ideas and different combinations. And I'm always amazed when I look at some of the results for our clients where the AI took the initial ideas that, that we and, and the client came up with, the thing, things that we wanted to experiment with. But then once it kind of runs through the first set of a validation of these ideas, it starts to say, okay, well, this idea did really well and this idea did really well. What if I combined them together? And so it starts to come up with, with very unique combinations. A lot of times things that we as humans would have never thought of. Uh, and that happens all the time inside of our clients when when we come in and we show them the results and we kind of dig into to the analysis itself uh, and they go, wow, like that, like th that combination of changes is what drove this huge gain in our, uh, in our revenue. And we're like, yep. And like, we would have never thought of, of we, in a million years, we would have never thought that that combination would have done anything. Uh, and that's really the power of AI, right? It has no emotion. It has no bias. It has no preconception. It just methodically goes through it. Um, and, and the nice thing about it in an environment like this is it the more ideas the better because the AI the AI will sort it out so you really eliminate that hurdle that's existed in the past where you had to be very focused and very diligent on what ideas you wanted to to experiment because you you couldn't waste bandwidth and you couldn't waste traffic um, and AI really helps you completely bust that open uh, and go in a completely different direction more ideas is great. The AI will sort it out. And, and it becomes a much shorter path to maximizing value. So uh, it is very exciting to see how AI applied to this particular problem can have such a fundamental impact. Fantastic stuff. Thank you, John. And last question for you today, then. What's next in this market space? Have you got any trends or, or any ideas that you want to share with us today? Yeah, there, there, there are a couple of things that are going on right now that are really interesting. So... Um, and, and it's funny how at, on, on the surface, they don't, they look to, to, to be in conflict. So personalization, that's the new, that's the new word that everybody's talking about. I, 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 we see a lot of clients that's on their checklist. They, they have to add personalization capabilities to, uh, to their, their digital experience. Uh, but also third party cookies are going away, right? Starting next year, uh, the world is going to be very different. So, so you have this really interesting challenge where a lot of companies want to get more personalized, but the mechanisms by which they would have started to use parameter to personalize are no longer going to be available. So the good news is, is there's a lot of data sets out there that can be used to build different use cases. It's mainly focused on intent and where, where a client is in the journey. And I think that's another mindset shift that, that has to happen where personalization should not be based on traditional demographics like are you are you a man are you a woman are you married are you single do you have kids you know uh, some of those demographics are really not all that relevant it's far more valuable to understand where a person is in the journey what are they looking at uh, and then using again ai to start to build models that says Carly came to the website and did this and start to use Carly as a model to see, well, how many more Carly's are out there? And then you can start to build a view and a profile for somebody like Carly. And then we start to look for intent. And so when John comes to the website, we say, oh, John looks like he's kind of following the journey that Carly uh, was using. So let's dynamically personalize that journey for John 
based on what we learned from Carly. And that's that's really the new world. And, and we call it uh, personalization through continuous experimentation. So it's thinking that concept of, of AI at scale and the speed, but increasingly start to personalize around segmentations and ultimately down to the individual. And I think that's the next holy grail and what a lot of companies are chasing uh, in this space. Brilliant. Thank you so much, John. Now, sadly, that's all we have time for today. But special thanks to John from Evolve for joining us. Thank you again, John. Carly, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for having me. Not at all. It was great to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Now, if you've enjoyed our exclusive interview with John from Evolve, then please do share our video on social media. It's always greatly appreciated when you do so and do subscribe to our channel as well. So from myself and from John, it's goodbye for now. I'm Carly from CX Today. Thank you for watching. Thank you.